Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This upcoming Sunday in Lent, when we go to Mass, we're going to encounter one of the most important stories in the Gospel accounts of Christ's public ministry. It's a big turning point in his public ministry. It's the scene of the Transfiguration. And there's so much in this scene, and I'm really excited to get into this with you today. But first, I want to share with you uh, something that happened early in my life as a professor. I was having breakfast with a great bishop. His name is Archbishop Charles Shapu. He was the archbishop here in Denver. I wasn't even living in Denver at the time. I was teaching at Benedictine College in Kansas, but I was coming into Denver for some meetings with Focus, and we had breakfast shortly before the feast day of the Transfiguration. And he knew I was a biblical scholar, wanted to get my thoughts on some things, and he said, you know, I get this as an important part of Jesus's life, and I get it for theology. It reveals his glory, his divinity. But what difference does this scene make for the average layperson, for their ordinary daily lives? What's the practical pastoral application of this scene? And I didn't really have as much to say about that because I had studied it more from the theological perspective and, and, and showing Christ's divinity. And if I had a chance to have breakfast with Archbishop Shapu again, and he's been a good friend to me to focus to the Augustine Institute over the years, so I'm very thankful for him. But if you ever asked me this again, this would be my answer <laughs> I, I, because I, I think there's so much to it. Uh, on a basic level, it, it, it's showing not only Christ's divinity— but it's revealing the transformation God wants to work in all of our lives. As St. Paul will later reflect on, he'll say, we're being changed into Christ's likeness from one degree of glory to another. And a number of biblical scholars have made that connection showing that what happens with Jesus on that Mount of Transfiguration, his glory is being revealed, is pointing to how we're all called to share in Christ's divinity, that Christ wants to change us with, with his divine life, the life of grace, and we will be changed, we will be transformed and become ever more like him through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that's one point I think we could look at. But today, and I, I want to share with you something else. This is something I've been sharing with my pilgrims, uh, especially the last few years when we go to the Holy Land and we go to the Mount Tabor, which commemorates the transfiguration scene. I share with them another aspect about how important this was for Peter, for St. Peter himself, because Peter will later write about how that event is what gave him great confidence and strength in many times of darkness later in his life. Now, we don't know what all those moments of darkness are. We can imagine his darkness by being imprisoned, by being you know, persecuted, by being martyred. I, I'm sure you know, that was on the horizon for him as well. But I have a question for you here at the beginning of Lent. Do you have certain dark places, dark places in your spiritual life? You feel darkness in prayer. You don't feel close to God. Or maybe there's certain stresses in your life, certain areas of your life where you're, you have a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you feel overwhelmed, or maybe there's dark places of, of sin and weakness that you just can't change. What are those dark places? You know what St. Peter later wrote about when he wrote his letter, the second letter of Peter, he wrote about how this event of the transfiguration made so much of a difference in his life 
that it was a light shining in those dark places. And I pray that as we encounter this reading this upcoming Sunday, it'll be a light for you and whatever you might be struggling in those dark places in, in your own soul. We all have these in different seasons of life. I pray that as we walk through the transfiguration in this week's podcast, it can be a source of strength and perseverance for you. So welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to see so many uh, great places in our country, so many great faithful Catholics, as I'll be traveling later in Lent. Uh, so anyone in the Springfield, Massachusetts diocese, I'm going to be coming to the Eucharistic Congress coming up on March 4th. So I look forward to seeing you there. I'm also going to be in North Andover. Uh, so really looking forward to being there. That will be on Thursday, March 2nd, and Friday, March 3rd, I'll be at St. Michael Parish doing a, a Lenten Parish mission for them. So great to be in the state of Massachusetts. If you're anywhere near those areas, come out and see me. I'd love to get to meet you. I always love getting to meet our listeners uh, of the show. And then later in the month, I'm going to be in Fort Myers, Florida for the Faith and Wine Conference. So that'll be on Thursday, March 16th. The day before, I'll be at Ave Maria on the 15th of March, Ave Maria University, presenting to all the, the college students there. And, and I think it's open to the public in Ave Maria as well. And then later on that weekend, on the 18th, I will be at the Grand Rapids Men's Conference, the Catholic Men's Conference. Uh, Sister Miriam and I will be presenting for that on Saturday, March 18th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, if anyone's at any of those places, look forward to hopefully getting to meet you there. But let's turn to this gospel reading that's coming up here this Sunday. I want you to put yourself in the scene. Imagine being Peter, James, or John. Uh, imagine that you are being singled out by Jesus, and you are being called by him to go up this high mountain, and you're going to be set apart <laughs> to to go with him, and you're not sure why. You're, you, you There were the 12, and you've been going all around Galilee, you've been hearing Jesus preach and watching him do miracles, but suddenly he just pulls you three aside. And he's going to say, let's go up this high mountain. You're probably wondering, okay, what's happening here? Why? What's Jesus doing? Are we just going for a hike? What is this all about? A little personal retreat with Jesus. But then when you get up there, it is magnificent what happens. You've never seen anything like this. And, and again, just imagine being Peter. You've seen a lot, right? You've seen Jesus change, you know, bread and, you know, and multiply it. And you've seen Jesus go and uh, heal the sick and make the, the deaf be able to hear and the blind be able to see. You've seen him raise the dead. I mean, you've seen a lot of miracles, but nothing like this. This would have been a very up close and personal manifestation of Christ's glory. You've seen glimpses of his divinity in a sense through his miraculous healing, but now suddenly you're going to see him shining, his face shining like the sun, his garments becoming white as light, Moses and Elijah suddenly appearing before him. You're going to see a cloud come down and overshadow you, and a voice from that cloud saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. No wonder Peter, James, and John are described as falling on their faces in awe. I mean, again, they've seen Jesus do many miracles, but you never see anything like this. You never see them fall on their faces and all like this. Why? Because they're, they're getting a glimpse of Christ's glory. And in fact, that's why Moses and Elijah are there. Many people say Moses and Elijah are there because they represent the Old Testament. You know, Moses represents the law, the Ten Commandments, and Elijah represents the prophets. And that's true. That's, of course, very true. I teach that. But they're there even more so. Why? Because those were the two 
people of the Old Testament that experienced God's glory passing before them. They were the two leaders of Israel that had a, a, a theophany, a visible manifestation of Christ's glory come close to them. And, and that's what Peter, James, and John are experiencing now. So th- this is amazing. Another thing I think that Peter, James, and John would be thinking about is as they're experiencing all this, they would know that this had happened once before. Uh, they would remember what happened with Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai. In Exodus 24, what did Moses do? He chose three of his closest leaders to go up a high mountain, Mount Sinai. And while he was up there, the cloud of God's glory overshadowed the mountain. <laughs> and, and then it says, uh, from that cloud, a voice spoke to them. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what's happening here. But why is this happening? I want you to turn, well, I'll, I'll do the reading from scripture. You may be on an exercise bike or driving or something, so you don't need to open up your Bibles right now, but I'll read the passage to you. It comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 18, and we'll put this in the show notes for you. But uh, it's Peter's testimony about this. He describes how he, he saw the glory from God the Father. He heard the voice that was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Peter later in life is reflecting on how much of a difference this scene of the transfiguration made for him. And then he goes on and he says, we have the prophetic word made sure you will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So Peter was giving his testimony about encountering the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's talking about this, writing about this, not just at the theological level that I was sharing with Archbishop Shapu many years ago, but he talked about it at a more personal level. And it was only later in my teaching when I started seeing this connection with Peter, I found this to be helpful for me in my own moments of darkness. Because what Peter is saying is that what was revealed, that experience of Christ's glory on the mountain that day, prepared him for many moments of great darkness. I mean, think about what will happen later. Jesus will come down this mountain and they're going to end up going on the way to Jerusalem and he's going to go and he's going to die in Jerusalem. But the night before he dies, what does Jesus do again? He singles out three of his close apostles. This was probably just a few weeks, no more than a few months after the transfiguration. He singles out these same three, Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. All 12 were in Gethsemane, but these three got to go closer with Jesus. And they see Jesus fall on his face. They see him praying in his agony. They see him sweating drops like blood. I mean, this is intense. They've never seen Jesus pray like this before. What's going on here? Part of what's happening is Jesus gave Peter and James and John a glimpse of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration to prepare him for this dark place in Gethsemane, to prepare him for the agony to prepare him for watching Jesus be betrayed, for watching Jesus be nailed to a cross, to be killed. This was the hardest day in Peter's life. And to prepare Peter for this, God gave him this mountaintop experience, a taste of his glory. And and, and that was just the beginning. Later, Peter is going to end up being misunderstood. He's going to proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem. He'll be thrown into prison. He's going to be in a dark place in prison in Jerusalem. And we know that an angel will come and rescue him. 
he's going to find himself in a dark place in Rome. I don't know if you've ever been to the Mamertine prison. You can go to this prison close to the Tiber River, right there in, in the historic center of Rome. And you go into this place where Peter and Paul were thrown into prison before they were executed. It's very tight quarters. It is a very dark place. It would have been cold. It would have been, if you're claustrophobic, you would hate being in this place. <laughs> and, 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 and that was another dark place Peter found himself in. What do you think he turned to? What, what helped him? You know, he would go back and remember Jesus in his glory. Jesus is real. Jesus is God. And his light that I saw shining on the Mount of Transfiguration, that light can shine light into my heart in this dark place. So Peter writes about how when we have those experiences of God, where we, we know God has touched our life, he's touched our heart, why does God give us those experiences? They're, they're not, you know, we could think of that as, oh, I, I went to prayer and I felt really close to God, or I went to this conference and my heart was on fire, and I, or I heard this speaker and, and, and my, my heart was burning within me. And those are great moments. God uses those to draw us closer to himself, but they're not signs of holiness. <laughs> if you had great, great lofty thoughts in prayer and you have great feelings and, and fervent de- desires in prayer, those are wonderful. You thank the Lord for them, but they're not so much markers of holiness. Because real love is tested in trial, in suffering, in sacrifice, in being faithful when it's really hard to be faithful. And you think about Peter in those moments when it was so hard for him to be faithful, to continue journeying on, he would have been tempted to give up. But what did he cling to? He remembered the experience he had of Jesus in his life. Not just every experience. That would would have been wonderful to remember, of course, too. But he particularly remembered this experience on the mountain of transfiguration where he was touched in a sense by the glory of God, that cloud and the voice that, that spoke. And so here's the practical point I want to make for you right now. What's the dark place in your life right now? What's that thing you're stressed about right now or that burden you're carrying? Maybe it's a certain suffering you're going through or a certain fear that you have about the future of what might happen at work or at home What's that, what what is that dark place maybe in your spiritual life? Know that Jesus is there with you. Jesus gave you maybe a, a sense of his presence in your life in the past. Go back and remember, where did God touch your life? Where did you sense God's presence in your life in the past? Thank the Lord for that time. Peter thanked the Lord for those times he had with him. Do you take time to go back and remember, or are you just focused on the dark point right now? So first, remember the past. Remember how God has been with you. Remember his presence like Peter did and thank him for it. Thank him for those moments. They're they're beautiful gifts. But then ask him to allow that moment from the past to be a light for you now, a lamp for you now in this dark place. May it help you to persevere. May it help you to push forward, to continue in your walk with the Lord and whatever burden you're carrying right now. And then thirdly, as you're going through whatever suffering, difficulty, trial, cross, spiritual desolation, whatever it is that's happening, ask Peter to pray for you. Because Peter was literally in many dark places, in the dark garden of Gethsemane, watching his Lord in his agony and be taken away. You think about the dark place he found himself in, weeping bitterly after he denied him three times, the shame, the darkness of shame he felt himself in. Do you have areas of shame that you feel darkness? And turn to Peter, ask Peter 
to pray for you and allow Jesus to be a light shining in that dark place. Peter found himself in prison in Jerusalem. He found himself persecuted, you know, battling against so many obstacles for the sake of the gospel. He found himself in great darkness in prison in Rome and then crucified upside down in Nero's circus. Peter knew suffering. What helped him through those difficult times to persevere? It was that light of Jesus in his heart, that light of Jesus that he experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration, but remained with him even in those times of darkness. So no matter how difficult your marriage might be right now, you might be at a low point in your marriage. No matter what difficulties you're facing in a certain relationship or what loneliness you're facing or challenges with your children or wondering, will I ever find my vocation? Whatever trials and burdens you're carrying, let Jesus be a light, a lamp shining in that dark place. So thank the Lord for your, the lights that he's given you in the past. Turn to him, ask him to be a light now, and then turn to Peter, asking Peter's intercession for you as well. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. May God bless you and uh, keep praying for me and my family in this season of Lent and I'll be praying for all of you. God bless.